0: podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. What are you looking at me for?
1: There's no karate chop. I no thought that was part. a season two thing. I sorry. Was like,
0: oh. No, no, I always, sorry, forgot my karate chop. He's a little
1: nervous, yeah. I'd say. I'm nervous?
0: No way. I am going to start drinking that whiskey, which will calm, calm the nerves a little bit. But, nope, thanks, everybody, for joining us for season two of The Highway. Uh, we have four people, one of those not being Bird. Bird has, once again, we've decided, is deceased. Mm. Right?
2: He's, he's flown the coop. Yeah. He has
0: flown the coop. For the, I don't know, 12th, 13th time.
1: Yeah. Part of uh, his charm is this mystery.
0: Yeah. But we never talked about this. He does have a full time job. So he it's kind of hard for him to take off.
2: Yeah. Especially so, so on a, we don't we don't have. Yeah, none of us. <laughs> yeah,
0: none of us are gainfully employed, clearly. Uh, but no, uh, Bird's not here. We have two guests, which is kind of becoming the theme yeah. of season two. We used to only have round one guest. Yeah, a round table. Yeah, round table. So uh, Smee is here. Smee, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing good. Cheese Platter Co. I can have nothing to complain about. Is okay. that a clue for one of your guests? Tonight? Yeah, if you yeah, if you're hosting us, I like
0: cheese. Okay, well, yeah, that is a clue for one of our guests. Mm. Um, I am going to say mm. this guest, and I really it burns me to say this, <laughs> had the most listens mm. or downloads, I guess, is yeah. it downloads,
2: mm-hmm.
0: most downloads as of today. There's somebody coming up on you very quickly though. Mm. As of today, had the most downloads from season one.
2: Well, <laughs> Which, I yeah,
0: I thought about deleting her episode, <laughs> but but here we are. So, the listeners want it. They Apparently they do, and there's a lot of good questions that were sent in for you too, so uh, without further ado, I will introduce our first guest, Denise Childress.
1: But I got smarter, I got harder in the nick of time. Honey, I rose up from the dead, I do it all the time. I got a list of names and yours is in red, I'm done. I check it once then I check it twice oh look what you made me do look what you made me do look what you just made me do look what you just made me oh look at what you made me do look what you made me
2: do look what you made me do. Look what you yeah just made
1: probably the me worst walk-up
0: up song I've <laughs> ever had no oh, it's the best walk-up song wow T Swift thats mm. thank goodness there's a second walk-up song because that one was horrible okay. <laughs> uh, but Denise how are you, my I'm ex- friend?
2: I'm excited. Thank you for calling me your friend again on a recording for posterity that I can use against you someday, maybe. We'll if edit I need that to. out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm doing great. I'm so glad that you guys decided to have me back on, and I'm just ready for these questions.
0: Okay. Well, I'm excited too. Uh, so, full disclosure too, I had asked Denise for some walk-up songs, like I don't know, a month ago. No, she sends it was like me, a week wait ago. Wait a second, wait a second, you've got no proof. <laughs> no, it was probably about a week ago, right?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I do have proof, by the way. Okay, yeah.
0: all right, I know you have proof, that's had to walk it back. So, about a week ago, she doesn't send me anything, doesn't send me anything. So, this morning, I'm like, yo, I've got to have a walk up song. So, she sends me not one, but four. This yeah. morning? This morning. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say this morning. It was, may have been afternoon. It you was like what? 1230. <laughs> Why <were> we <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I'm going to check the timestamp on this. It was 1105. So I guess I, technically it was morning. Yeah. It
2: was a big decision. Plus, I had a lot of fires going on. That's, that's the life of a lawyer. Oh. Which fire is closest?
0: But, well, Walk Up Song was the most time sensitive.
2: <sighs> yeah, right? you were right. Well,
0: so anyway, you sent me four, which one was uh, obviously, obviously two set, swift yeah.
2: Two til, was
0: Till I, til I Collapse, Eminem.
1: And then all I do is
0: win. All I do is win, which I thought about playing that one. I like it, but I didn't I want told to him the he could surprise me. Mm-hmm. But the fourth one I really wanted <laughs> the, the, the to play—the ringer,
2: yeah—was
0: Ghostbusters.
2: Who are you gonna call? <laughs> Children's League. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> all right. I guess that one kind of makes sense now. Just <laughs> oh having fun with it, man. I
2: thought that's what we yeah, did I here. thought it was some good. Yeah, it was very versatile. I'm actually surprised you didn't choose that one. The surprise I was going on the yeah. way here. I said
0: she's get, she wants Ghostbusters. She's getting it. So I thought it was a joke.
2: <laughs> anyway,
0: all right, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for hosting us again um, in your estate, your office. My office. Your studio.
2: Um, it's actually clean, okay. so it's good. Yeah, enough. last
0: time it was just dirt everywhere, <laughs> trash mm-hmm. everywhere. And cheese, meats,
2: Yeah, we have berries, cheese and meats this time.
0: Nuts, gummies, and bread.
2: But like the, the normal gummies, not like the <laughs> but like kind of gummies. I wasn't kind of going to ask, no, really? <laughs> Nor just was in. I going to eat okay. those. We're gummies. i was a
0: disappointed on that one. <laughs> I feel
2: like that's a big quantity if that uh-huh. was the... You're kind of gummy.
0: That's true. That would probably put I'll me out. I'll test them out. See, okay. Yeah. And then thank you for the beverage makers. Is that right? mm mm-hmm. oh, Awesome. Thank you. So appreciate you having us. Anytime. And then we have a third, or second guest, third or fourth um, on the potty. Here's my second podcast for the day, so I'm all over the place. You guys bear with me. Uh, who was really neat. I'm glad he decided to come on. Woo-hoo. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I've had to do some research, and the research that I did, I'm like, wow, I really, we're going to connect here. I obviously uh, have some uh, some stuff in common here. So, I'm, with official title, I'm going to go with official title. Is that okay? That's fine. All right. So, I'm going to go with Missouri State Representative Richard West. Yeah. In America, you're free to make free.
3: In America, That dying overseas. So, America, you can say what we believe, my America.
0: love that well, you know that's I right happens. that was hardcore
2: no can I change my picture to no, that
0: no you can't no you, <laughs> that's mine you've made your bed <laughs> now you sleep <laughs> in it alright and, and Rich is okay yeah Rich right. is fine hey uh cool walk up song yeah, yeah thanks by the way so you uh, we had texted a little bit back and forth the other day and you would sent me that so I just uh YouTubed what did I YouTube in America or something like yeah. that yeah and it came up Charlie Daniels
1: which we also appreciate
0: and right? I'm like oh cool Charlie Daniels, Mm -hmm. This is so I'm listening, I'm listening, and I'm like, well, no, he sent the artist, it can't be right. So I kind of do a little more YouTube and uh, Amazon music, and I'm like, oh, this is where it's at. Both songs are great. This one's one's solid. Yeah, he's a pretty good guy. Yeah. Can I ask you why uh, you kind of chose that song? I mean, I think I know the answer, but.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, um, honestly, I've spent a little time overseas, spent time here serving in our country as a police officer, and uh, I, I believe in our freedoms and, and right now it seems to be one way that our freedoms are being held. Um, but I believe everybody has the right and the freedoms. So uh, that, that pretty that song pretty much describes it all. Cool. Amen. And I have listened to the whole thing. It's awesome. It's pretty intense.
0: Yeah. In <laughs> fact it's gonna go on my workout playlist. Mm-hmm. Uh, there which you is go. tough to do. Yeah. Oh man I don't put it on there lightly. It's a good one. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> Let's do introductions real quick. Denise, I know you were on, I always like to go ladies first, right? Oh yeah. Um, I know you were on the first podcast, or first season, I guess. But let's go ahead and reintroduce you as the new and improved Denise new. Childress. The
2: new and improved? Yeah. I don't know what's new or improved about it, except maybe a cleaner office and better food. Yeah, so I guess know. you're welcome. But, um, hi, I am Denise Childress. I am a defense attorney here in the state of Missouri. I have my practice mostly in St. Charles, but I take cases all over the state of Missouri representing citizens who have been accused by the government and wow, ensuring goodness. that their rights have been prote- protected and held. Oh, wow. Is this yeah. like a talking gig? Because yeah. apparently I'm going to be really good at that Yeah, today.
0: you're automatically <laughs> fired. We need to get an argument today because you can't talk. Actually, I
2: can't either. So. Yeah, you guys are mumbling yeah. words. Well, that's me. Hi.
0: Okay. And, yeah, again, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming back. I appreciate that. And then uh, Rep West, is it Rep, can I say Rep West? That's just, not derogatory, is it? Just call me Rich. Yeah. Okay, Rich. <laughs> we'll just I do don't work. know, just, Rep's cool. Just I me I... Rich, okay? But <laughs> that's like, like a cool thing, like, I would
3: represent this. That's well, a, we that's worked hard to get topic. there, but at the same time, we're just regular people like everybody okay. else. Okay, so.
0: okay. All right, you want to tell us a little bit about, you kind of gave us a little bit of it. Yeah. About your background, and um, obviously the police officer side, and some, some things like that.
3: Oh, real quick, my mom was a police officer in St. Louis City, and I oh. kind of, you know, took after her. Yeah. I uh, Went through the academy. I actually worked for St. Louis City as a dispatcher oh, back wow. in the uh, late '80s, and then I became a police. O- I went through the academy, became a police officer, worked in North County for uh, for about 18 years as a police officer. Retired in 2008. Went overseas and did some contracting. Was an international police advisor in Iraq. Uh, when I came home, I worked for um, a large medical company as an investigator, and then <clears throat> my wife and I started our own business. Okay. Then I became the. Uh, the mayor of Newbelli for eight years, and then after that, uh, I went on to become a Missouri State Rep.
0: Okay. Let me ask you this why uh, why did you want to become a rep? A representative? I mean, that's a pretty broad question, right? Sure. But, uh, your background and stuff kind of uh, is a public service. Exactly. Right. So, what made you want to transition or move on, I guess I should say,
3: to House of Representatives? Well, you know. The, the main reason, I can give you a whole half hour's worth of stuff there, sure. but the main reason is um, my parents taught me you know don't ever complain about something unless you put yourself in the, in the spot to do something about it. So I'm unhappy with the way some things are in not only our state but federal government, so I put myself where I can at least uh, represent and, and make some changes to the people that think like me. I like that. Yeah, me too. I and mean, we're talking about the federal government. How much time do we have? Oh. <laughs> you no,
2: know, Denise is like. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs>
0: no, I'm just kidding. I won't go there. Uh, but no, I really do appreciate you being on here. I think it's a it's an honor to have you on here and to discuss some things. And um, I'm honestly, I'm going to look at you from the law enforcement side of things because sure. I think that's our connection and that's where I'm at, and that's probably where the uh, connection with Denise is going to be. And I think it'll be a good conversation. Uh, we, so we, we put out questions to uh, basically our social media following on what questions they want to ask. And a lot of them go to Denise because his cops you know how we sure, are sure. curious what they think about this and think about that. So what we'll probably do is uh, ask some of those questions and if you don't mind I'll get kind of your point of view from where you're at now and maybe uh, where you have been and then obviously Denise's point of view. The
2: correct Uh, point of view. uh, Well,
0: it's it's a view. Um, (laughs) But I do want to talk about something uh, first that we all three have in common and that a lot of cops do as well, which is kind of like a small business, if you will. And you guys are much bigger than I have a small business. You guys are much bigger than I am. Um, What is, if you could give advice, if you will, to Somebody out there who's wanting to go out and start a small business practice, um, what advice would you give them and at what point do you think you saw, and I would consider you both very successful, right? So at what point did you go, I'm starting to become successful? So I guess a two-part question and I guess I'll lead with Denise and then Rich will get the next one up front. All
2: right. All right. Well, I like that you just said I was successful in a recording. Again, I'm going to be logging these in my <laughs> oh, records. I'm just uh, digging my grave on this go. <laughs> I'm going to make a great ad for this uh, law firm here. But what advice would I have for someone who wants to start a business? I think the biggest bit of advice that I would have is be involved in your community, whatever that looks like, whether that be your local community or your community of peers in your whatever business you're trying to open or your customers right so having a presence and being known is what is going to allow you to be successful because to run a business you have to have people coming through the door number one and number two you have to know what you're doing so that when people come through the door you are doing things properly so educating yourself um, getting as many resources as you can I think at the beginning of my own private practice when I didn't have as many clients Anytime I had free time I was going to continuing legal education seminars, I was going to community meetings, I was learning as much as I could about my craft, Um, and then now that's just what I do.
0: Okay, so what point did you think that you're starting, I emphasize think, that you're starting to be successful?
2: I don't think I'm successful <laughs> currently, okay. so I think that's Well, I think that there's always growth to be had, mm-hmm. and so once you feel like you're successful or you feel like you're comfortable, that's when your business probably isn't going to be doing very well because you always have to um, go out after the next client, or the next customer, and always look to improve your business. Was there a first part of that question? No, I think you answered the
0: first part. Oh, no, no. Uh, okay. I was All prepared
2: right. for like legal questions, not like No, I yes, hey, curveball, <laughs> yeah, Cur- curveball. I'm not gonna, yeah,
0: I'm not gonna give you what you
3: think you're getting. No yeah. way.
2: I would say one of my other biggest um, bits of advice for any, not necessarily even running your own practice, but if you're starting out in anywhere, whether it's running a business, whether it's becoming a lawyer, whether it's becoming a police officer, it's okay to not know what you're doing. And to ask questions because you're not supposed to know what you're doing at that early stage. And so, ask as many questions as you can. Find mentors um, in your field to grow and learn, um, because it's better to ask questions and get the right answer than pretend like you know what you're doing and and then not be doing it properly.
0: I feel like you're trying to lead me to ask you another question, but <laughs> no, I'm gonna leave that no. right there. So, Rich, I'm going to pass the question to you, um, and I've sure. done some research, and it's um, Overstock Outlets? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, again, just done a little bit, I'm not sure how big it is, but obviously you're a businessman and you've been successful, or are successful, so I guess I'll pass
3: those questions to you. Just real quickly, um, where I'm at in life um, has, has been through experiences. And um, with my business, my small business, which I do outside of everything else Mm -hmm. that I do, uh, we have two stores now. We do, last year we did like $1.5 million for a mom and pop's small um, store. That's great. I mean, it's been over 10 years since I had to rely on anybody for a paycheck. Okay. I have 10 employees that I pay all the taxes for and do everything. And so I consider myself um, hugely... um, successful on on many aspects or, or many many different planes i guess we'll say as a father and a husband is the most important one um i have three healthy children my children are all actively involved in society uh they're, they're producers uh two of them are in the military uh, one of them still is uh, you know my so On that plane, I'm hugely successful because I've done my job as a parent. i prepared my children to move on to their stage in life. Now they're having children, and they're going to teach their children. So that's hugely successful. Um, With my community service, public service, I consider myself hugely successful in that arena. I I worked as a police officer, which was really hard. Um, And then I went overseas, and even though I wasn't military, I still served our country over there doing something that was very important. I worked... Very closely with the military. It was a lot of um, gathering of, of data and things like that. But then I came back home, and my wife and I, we started a business, and we're successful there. What I have to say here is that it's not a knock on our younger generation. When you're young, you're and Denise is this, you're a lot younger than I am. You're 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 un, insecure about some things, and you don't you don't feel the success. I look at you as. Uh, as an older person and I say, you're very successful and you're you're still going forward. But there'll come a time that, and that's why a lot, and I hate to say this, but a lot of older people are politicians because they get to a point where they feel they've accomplished enough that they can actually start helping other people. You know, you, we always have mentors. Oh, I see. So doing, yeah. uh, it, it's not about the age thing, it's not about I know more than you, it's just I feel comfortable now sharing my knowledge with other people. Um, because I've just reached that point in my life. And I'm, I guess I'm 50, 56 years old, so.
0: So I feel like what you're saying is there's a, there's a point where you felt a transition. Yeah. Like I'm going from building what I have, so your business, your family, et cetera, to I have i don't want to say I've done it because that sounds, oh, I'm just done. Yeah, That's not I, what I mean. I'm not like that, but right? I know what you're saying. But I've, I've accomplished certain things, and now it's actually better for me to transition into, I'm going to show other people how to get to the spot that I'm in. Is that kind of what you're saying there? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, you
3: know, we're all here to teach each other. I, I'm still learning, but I also feel that I've, I've achieved a lot of knowledge where I could share that and help other people achieve what I have. Uh, that's a great point of view,
0: because as a, uh, again, small business person myself, and also working in government, I mean, I find myself focusing on how can I advance, how can I advance, and I, not, not in a selfish way, but I'm trying to claw to the next milestone, right? And I do try to help people, but I don't feel like I'm, I guess I'll kind of classify myself with Denise, that I'm successful to the point where I can transition into, now I'm going to pull you up with me. And I think that's kind of what you're you're saying, which is pretty neat.
2: I think that's a very interesting perspective to have and to also kind of put that on you when I'm thinking of what you're saying and listening to you. Maybe it is a generational thing about feeling like... You aren't successful yet because you help a lot of people. I mean, your small business is training officers and you're helping a lot of people grow in their employment and their knowledge and helping society as a whole grow around this new industry. Um, So that's that's interesting Mm. because I think you are helping people.
0: I'll let the record show that Denise like, also yeah, says there's sorry. a lot of <laughs> things documented it. yeah. here. It's a love,
1: mate. Yeah. It's a love. Well, hate. I, get like, it. I get it. I get it. Just even from a professional standpoint, I think that, yeah, there's that transition that happens at some point in time from, like, that mentee to that mentor mindset.
2: Speaking of not being in a place to mentor people yet, I would like to discuss with you. Oh, no. Uh, probably off the record, okay. but um, <laughs> I, I'm on the board of a nonprofit organization, and I really enjoy your podcast I really think that what you guys have done here is successful and you make it look like it's easy to do I'm sure it's not um, it makes it look easy. <laughs> but I would like to maybe connect you with somebody in that organization to mentor them through the process of maybe getting something like that started so oh, yeah. we, we're all it's very interesting how we all view ourselves because yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not through the same lens that other people yeah. view, people view us
0: yeah that was a great. That, that that just like made my day. That whole transitioning thing. Because then it's like, at what point do you, like, did you feel like, hey, I I feel that transition, or did you just kind of go wake up one day and went, oh, I've kind of went from, I hate to say growing, but from focus here to now, my focus has shifted to other
3: serving other people. You know, I I wouldn't say it was an instantaneous, just a snap, mm-hmm. but as you build more confidence in yourself, and you communicate with other people and other people actually start to listen and take your advice you you really start to feel like maybe I should change what I'm doing from all about me to all about everybody and and, and it comes it just it just comes Mm. yeah
0: I like that yeah that's a topic I'm going to do some research on now so every once in a while I just like hone in on something I just honed in on that (laughs) okay so I have a a couple more questions before we get to the ones that were submitted Mm. Uh, and rich I'm going to come to you for this first so it's kind of a two-parter. Um, it can either be from your law enforcement career, in fact, I want to ask you from your law enforcement career. Okay. Um, what made an impact, or the biggest impact, and I'm leaving that pretty broad, on your law enforcement career? So what was a moment you said, wow, this made a huge impact, but a positive and then a negative? Wow, that's a
3: hard one. Yeah, I know that's <laughs> pretty broad too. So. I mean. You know, I'm just going to say right off the bat that my my impact to even get me into law enforcement, of course, was my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom was probably the strongest person in my life. So, you know, but while I was working, um, you know, you hear stories uh, of of good things and bad things that you do in law enforcement. But I, I will say when I was a young, very young police officer, maybe six months into it. I had had my first child, and I had to go on a call of a a, a SIDS case, Mm -hmm. and to deal with that, uh, this is probably going to be on a negative impact, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to deal with that, and then go home to my child, I learned very quickly how to turn off emotions, how to turn off, uh, you you know this, okay, Um, how we just kind of turn everything off, because if you don't, you will literally go crazy. Yeah. And we're, we're... at the legislative level, we're trying to deal with PTSD and law enforcement and, and, and firefighters now because while our Army men and women are deal with this, but we deal with it every day here on right. such a, a huge, huge scale, um, and it never gets dealt with. Now, on a positive impact, I mean, you could just reverse that and say um, just some of the little things that you do for people in and. You know, you always hear, well, I go to police to help people. Well, yeah, you know, that's, you know, sure. that's that's the the canned answer. You know, I, I can't say that um, That there was really, you know, some of the investigations I did. Or again, early on in my career, I worked with a, a young lady that was 14 years old that had, her mom had cancer and mom's boyfriend had raped her. And, and I had done a really extensive investigation with, with no help because I didn't have a good mentor and I didn't do anything and... We ended up, you know, that was a case to me that that said early on, because I became an investigator, Mm -hmm. that that pretty much said, look, you need to work as hard at finding if a person's guilty. You need to find, you need to work as hard to find that they're not guilty. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, and most most cops don't learn that early on. And and you really should, yeah, if you work hard to prove innocent and prove guilt at the same, then when you find somebody guilty, you're pretty sure that you have that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking
0: no, for. No, no. I, I think what you said is what I, I say a lot. Our, our, our job as cops are really two things, in, in my mind. Number one, protect rights, and then number two, arrest bad guys. And I think that that protecting rights is by far number one, right? Uh, I agree. You know, it's, at one point, uh, I've raised my right hand and I swore to uphold the Constitution of Missouri and the United States. and. To do that, which you said, you know, find if somebody's innocent or guilty, work just as hard. I think that's part of that protecting rights, right? And also that we do things correctly, and we do things the way we're supposed to do. And I see Denise nodding her head over here. (laughs) Uh, But you know what I'm saying? I I love that you said that because, yeah, I love protecting rights, arrest bad guys. And I think that's really what policing is um, as a whole. And There's some other things, you know, that trickle down after that, but um, all right, great.
2: yeah, I'm shaking my head at that, nodding my head at that because yeah, I agree, I so, and I really like that. Um, you you mentioned this to me the other day, um, and that really struck a chord with me. When you are an officer with the priority to, just as hard as finding evidence of guilt, finding evidence of innocence, to make sure that you're getting the right people and you're building a strong case um, that can't be taken apart in court, or if it can, it's because there's some evidence of innocence there, and and. I like that viewpoint of making sure we get the whole picture, not just building a case against the defendant.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, building a case, in my mind, is all the facts. So whether mm-hmm. it's proof of innocence or proof of guilt. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna build a quote-unquote strong case, we hear that. In my mind, it's, it's involving both of those sets of facts and not just, oh, I'm gonna put the facts in that show this person's you know, guilty. So, and I wanna say this too, 99.9% of cops are like that. That's my opinion now. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm biased, right? Uh, but I see these people behind the scenes and uh, I, I never see anyone that goes, I just want to get this guy in trouble because. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I get it, right? There's, there's bad apples in every bunch. I'm not gonna say there isn't, but um, that's how I feel and that's how I train people to do it. It's mm-hmm. you know, rights first, um, rest bad guys second. But all right, I'm coming to you. Um, positive impact, and I'll just go with your career, and I, I think you use one on episode one, maybe not, and then I also want a negative impact on your career. Don't
2: mind that. Um, will you rephrase that question? No. See, I don't
0: this know what
2: you're this asking is the court of <laughs> this
0: saying. is the court of the highway podcast. I don't have to rephrase <laughs> anything.
2: Yeah. Well, then I plead the fifth. Okay. No. So, uh,
0: so what made an impact on you oh.
2: uh,
0: on your career?
2: Hmm. Both a negative and
0: a positive. Both both positively and negatively.
2: Well, we did we did go through this in episode one, so I don't want to um, bore the listeners by going through that. Um, why I do what I do and what really kind of impacted me. I I think. I think the biggest impact that spurs me forward on what I do is both positive and negative, because when I do see law enforcement officers or government actors who are doing something that violates rights or violates the law, that brings up a pretty negative emotion because I agree with you guys and I feel strongly about the purpose of law enforcement is to ensure that constitutional rights are protected. And so I, I just was watching um, a video the other day and I'll stay vague on it for confidentiality purposes, but my client was involved in a one vehicle accident. When law enforcement, Arrived, they were wearing body camera, and they stepped my client away from the vehicle. The one officer directed the other officer to to step step him away so that he could search every compartment of his car. They hadn't arrested him. They hadn't really even chatted with him very much. They hadn't developed any evidence. They actually didn't know whether or not he was the driver because he was outside of the vehicle. And they... I'm, I'm just watching this body camera, and I'm just getting offended, really, because you're just blatantly watching somebody violate the Fourth Amendment when nobody, and no one else is doing anything about it. So when I see things like that, I don't think that officer is a bad officer. I don't think he was purposely like, aha, let's go get this guy. But I think that when people aren't looking and when people aren't questioning, the norm starts to slide a bit and we think certain things are okay that aren't. And so that spurs me forward to to say, okay, let's look at the processes. Let's look at what's going on here and are you following the rules? Are you following the Constitution? Should this have been a search? What is going on here? Um, And so that's one of my most recent cases that was both a positive and a negative impact. Um, But yeah, when when I see because like I said in the first episode, I support law enforcement. I think 99.99% of them are good guys. Nobody's doing anything purposely wrong. Um, and it's just my job to come in there and say, hey, are we still doing everything right? Are we sliding a little bit? What's going on here? Um, so I don't know if that exactly answered your question, no. but that's the most recent one that I okay. comes to mind watching and feeling. <laughs> yeah, I represent the civilian perspective.
1: The citizen. This, I am the same The average Joe. The average Joe. And I will say that, as I, I think we even talked about it on the last podcast, but um, I come from healthcare. you know, you don't, like, the officers probably did not intentionally violate, but I think mm-hmm. that you do get in that place of complacency. Like, I needed to figure out what's going on. I got a, probably some more calls that I need to get to. Whatever the case may be, you kind of forget some of those uh, checks and balances or those kind of steps that you have to go through. And then, and, and y'all's, World, that's just you know specifically related to people's rights, yeah. Without numbers and you know whatever that in, in, in the business corporate world of things, but I think that you, I think that probably it comes from a little bit of complacency and just kind of getting into a gear and not remembering some of those those steps and why they exist in the first place, um,
2: not outright you know violating them, just yeah. Yeah, I I would agree with that. It happens in every profession. Yeah, it's just uh, you're not a bad actor. You're not a bad actor. We're on the stage more than anybody else. It is just yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Cops are on the stage more than any. I mean, more than actors. Like we are reviewed every everything we do is Mm -hmm. video. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and um, it's just.
2: You have to make a split second decision, but I get to look at it for a year yeah, plus, yeah. however much time and, I yeah. want to look at you're it. You're right,
0: and I appreciate you saying that too. But it's just like you know, everything we do is always—I'm um, going to use the Monday morning quarterback term—and you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, and I think the last time I talked about it, you should do a ride along because it's different in person and it's different and, Rich. I think you would agree, Oh, yeah. Uh, and watching it on, on video and and I don't think there's a lot of intent when it comes to I'm going to I'm going to intentionally do this. Right? No. Um, and I hope the guys that if they are doing that that they're not cops right because that's not what we want um, Okay, rich. I'm gonna come to you with a question first off. You are an investigator for 21 years. Is that right? Well an investigator for about 13. Okay, 13. All right? right. but a cop for 21 was that right? That yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay uh, Did you have an area of expertise if you will so mine's DWI I would say um, Denise's is I don't know. I guess it would be DWI. I don't really know. But did you have an area that you went? I enjoyed this. This is my. This is what I do.
3: Well, you know, when you're a municipal police officer, you're pretty much doing it all. You're mm-hmm. doing everything from the initial calls, uh, patrols, you know, business checks. You work midnights. You work afternoons. You work uh, uh, mornings. You work days. So you know, each one of those shifts, you have a different uh, job to do. During the day, you're pretty much doing administrative stuff. Mm-hmm. During the afternoons, you're pretty much. You now, I worked in. I'll say it in Berkeley in North County, which was a busy, busy area. Okay. In the afternoons and and early uh, midnight shifts, you dealt solely with the, uh, with the street crimes. Yeah. I mean, we had an assault first almost every night, uh, mm-hmm. if not two or three. Um, so you're, you're, you know, and, and a little bit touching on what we had last the last segment there was the expectation of the people you serve, mm-hmm. really pushes police officers because of the frustrations. To do some of the things they do, because you know when you have a uh, um, somebody calling you day after day mm-hmm. after day, and they have the same people sitting on their front porch or other, we'll call it the, we call it the front, you know, sitting on the, on the street corner selling drugs, yep. uh, day after day after day, you know they're doing it. Um, these people are good people. They're living in their homes. They they don't want the crime in their area, and because all this activity is going on, you have shootings, you have stabbings. And I'm not kidding you, every day. Yeah. So the frustrations of a, of a municipal police officer to try to do this, and I'm trying to get to your point yeah. here real yeah. quickly. Um, so you you do develop a work ethic. Um, you do develop, um, you know, how I speak to somebody in Berkeley is completely different to how I would speak to somebody in Ladoo. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you have to develop that and you have to maintain that because I'll tell you, if you yes sir somebody in Berkeley, you're going to get your rear end kicked real quick you you have to rise or sink to their level right. of the way they're going to treat you and a lot of people don't understand that somebody from ladue would see me talk to somebody like that on the street mm-hmm. and all of a sudden say you're a bad cop right and i'm like oh absolutely not mm-hmm. so the 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 most important thing that i did or i learned was how to deal with the community in which i'm serving sure. because i actually served Berkeley. Then I went to Maplewood. Then I went back to Berkeley. Okay. Um, I lived in Maplewood at the time and um, went there as a favor to somebody, but quickly went back because of politics. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, two totally different areas um, uh, of serving, and you had to deal with your constituents or your 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 um, civilian base completely different. Right. So it is extremely tough for. A New guy, and I, I'm just gonna say this that comes out of college, mm-hmm. uh, gets say he gets a degree in um, uh, let's say um, uh, any, anything really, but um, criminal justice psychology that's, that's gets point. a degree in psychology. because you know we hear all the time we need more psychology people in sure. police work. They get out and they're they wrap themselves all up because they, they go sideways, they're like wait a minute, they didn't teach us this uh-huh. and you're certainly not paying me enough to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go open my own practice and make $150,000 a year because at the time, I mean, when I left Berk, when I retired from Berkeley, you know, after I was a, um, I didn't want to be a sergeant because I'd have to go back on the street and uh-huh. I'm like staying in the bureau. So I was a lead detective. I was making $42,000 a year. Whew. Yeah. Back, back then, bang. yeah, yeah. Make and that was yeah. in 2008 when I retired. <laughs> oh wow! So you you just really have to look at it. So the most important thing is to learn how to deal with the people that you have in front of you, so that you can properly do your job. Yeah. Now I had the respect of the people on the street. Um, you know, they called me up, "Hey, Detective West, you do know, come come out." So I'd go out. But you're, you're gonna love this. I go out and put them in handcuffs, put them in the back seat of my car because if they saw
2: mm-hmm. if they saw yeah. me, mm-hmm. you
3: know. And I bring them to the station, and and they they accepted that because that was the way we had to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they were never under arrest. They knew they were never under arrest, but it's the way we described when sure. we were thrown to do it. Mm-hmm. Now somebody that didn't had or that had no clue what was going on would say, "Oh my gosh, you know blah blah blah," and but you know I bring them in and we talk to them, and 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 because they liked that relationship that I was I, if you covering from well, if you respect people. The criminals criminals have a respect code too mm-hmm. i'm telling you mm-hmm. if you respect give the criminals the respect that you, that they deserve yeah and they know and they'll let you know you give them that respect they'll give you that respect back the people you have to watch out for the people that come outside so when i get somebody from st louis city who didn't know our codes in the streets mm-hmm. of berkeley those are the dangerous ones because they don't know what's going on and those are the ones that'll get you in the back so the most important thing you learn is how to deal with the people in your community um, and, and it's, it might be a little different you know on, on, a, on a state level but uh, you know just it, when, when you're in a tight knit community your job is to know everybody moving on your streets mm-hmm. where they live what they're doing why they're there so if you do that at the beginning of your shift you know that if there's a burglary you know who was out moving yeah. you know where they were moving who they were with and that's how you solve crimes and that's what the people of that where you serve, that's what they expect. Yeah. Okay. Can I? Is it all right? That was a lot. You're the, host. No, you're no, the huh? host. Yeah. You're yeah. So
0: I want to say this too. I love what you're saying because so I was a city cop for four years, and I went to county, and then I went to a state, where I'm at now. And I always tell my guys, when you figure out, so the new guys, yeah, when you figure out how to talk to people, that's where you are going to see a huge change in your career. Exactly. And I tell them because we'll watch videos, old videos that I have, and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just said that to that guy. And I always tell them, listen, you've Denise got Denise isn't going to be the attorney, so yeah. you don't have to worry about it. no. Well, <laughs> no it's, I'm and, joking, 100 I think, I, I think you'll agree with this. We talk to, or you should talk to people the way they need to talk to. Yeah. So I don't stop a, you know, 85-year-old uh, grandmother in rural Missouri and then talk to her the same way that when I get down to downtown St. Louis on a, on a wolf pack. You just don't do that. Because no. like you said, you're going to get popped in the mouth for that. Yes, you will. And I think when, that's what really gave me the edge is when I had those experiences, a city copper and then a deputy, I came into the level that I'm at now with already knowing that. And I, yeah, I love that you're saying that because I'm like, God, that's so true. You just got to, and of course, you don't want to cross the line, right? But um, as long as you
3: understand where that line's at and they understand right where the line's at. There's a code. And yeah. if you follow the code, you're good to go. I mean, really, but I I just want to point one thing because we touched on this earlier when when you asked me a question, Mm -hmm. that word in there, experience, Mm -hmm. that comes up in all aspects of life, and Mm -hmm. and this is one in police work, but it also comes other places as well. We have to give experience its due because experience is is kind of what leads us where we don't. Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. All right. Okay, I have have a lot of thoughts about what you said, which is great. No, they're all good thoughts. Uh, Oh, sure. So I wanted to wrote back in um, when we were talking on the first episode I was on about the ride along. We were talking about no, oh no, she got well, the down on ride along. Well, no, no, we're talking about is it, can a defense attorney or any attorney for that matter, a prosecutor, a defense attorney, judge, really question a law enforcement officer and his experience and what he was feeling when he's approaching a subject or fears for his safety, so they do a search or things like that. And and the response was the standard is reasonable art- reasonable articulable facts so if you do feel that way you can reasonably articulate facts and that will justify whatever whatever interaction you're having so to apply that to what you're talking about i think that's a really important thing to point out that we have to to a certain extent trust our law enforcement officers to a certain extent we have to trust their discretion so i don't remember if it was this podcast or another meeting that somebody was talking about, well, can we just legislate out discretion? Can we just say what officers are supposed to be doing? And the answer is no, because statewide, so, you know, pulling on your experience as a representative, what you just said, you're going to treat somebody differently in Berkeley versus um, Maplewood, and those aren't very far apart. So now when we look at a statewide aspect, we, we have to understand that law enforcement officers For the most part, the majority of them um, do respect the Constitution. They're doing this because they are pro-law and order, and they want to make sure they're doing things properly. And we ask them to do that, and we ask them to use their discretion. And so kind of to preempt your question, you know, in court, if you can articulate that that's why you treat the individuals that way in that particular area, and it's reasonable, I think that's fine. Yeah.
0: Now, something I want to clarify too. I was just thinking about this as you were talking. Differently doesn't mean not fairly. Right. Right. And I think that's where a lot of uh, misinterpretation is that, oh, well, you treated this guy this way. Well, that's just the way we're, we do it there.
2: Because every right. case really is different.
0: Right. But as far as fairness, and I think Rich would agree, that, that has nothing to do with us <laughs> treating them fairly. And I think that's kind of sometimes misinterpreted as, oh, you're treating them mean. No, I'm yeah. treating them as they... Really, that we, we need to be treated in that area. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. I wrote that down. I thought, oh my gosh, when we said differently? I don't want people going, oh, they're treating people different. But it's, it's, it's very regional. Um, you know, having... Where I'm at now, I have the luxury of going to rural Missouri, then coming to St. Louis and Kansas City. And I see these young guys uh, who are... I love watching them, right? Because they, enrich- <laughs> they have that fire still, you oh, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, but to see them... Come from like rural Missouri and then come into the city and then try to talk to, yes, ma'am, no, sir, that type of thing. I'm going, partner, you better knock that off right. right now, right? And then you, you come back three years later and you see them going, oh, okay, they're talking to them like they should right. be. So it's really neat to see that.
1: Does it happen the other way? Do you have, like, city people that go to rural? And oh, it's yeah. Like, oh, All the time. <laughs>
0: it's not received well. Yeah, because, you know, rural Missouri expects uh, different things. Yes, sir, different yes, Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the yes sir, the yes ma'am, and honestly, they expect their officers to look a certain way and act a certain way. Um, and then, you know, cities just, and I've learned it, it's different. It's just a different world. Um, okay, did I did, did I come to you for that one? Sure. I did, yeah. Let's just say I did. All right. All um, right. No, that was, that was area of expertise. I know your area of expertise. <laughs> yeah, so I was I'll, trying to get out of that I'll, one. I'll answer that one for you. So. Okay. Uh, so here's what I want... How long have you been... a defense attorney now?
2: Uh, a little over 10 years. Okay. 10 years. So, all right.
0: That's cool. So I'm going to come to you first. Denise, did I kick it? Oh, I'm kicking your rug. I'm sorry.
2: It is. That is inexcusable. its is. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to come to you first because, Rich, I think you're going to have to think on this one. What challenges... Are law enforcement facing today that they didn't face when you started, where you're at now? So ten years ago, what are they facing in 2023, soon to be 24, that they didn't face in in
2: by the time this airs?
0: Yeah, thirteen. Um, yeah,
2: that is an interesting question that I would also have to think about. I mean, I would I would say no, no really the, on the only <laughs> the only difference in my area of expertise would be the technology, and mm-hmm. so um, we have much more officers who are equipped with body cameras or dash cameras, which I think can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. Um, It's a good thing if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're following your training. Um, That's what I would say probably is is increased surveillance, so increased review on what they're actually doing.
0: You know, maybe I should have tailored the question to you. What challenge do you you face? Do you face as an attorney today that you didn't face 10 years ago? Because that wasn't a fair question to you.
2: Mm-hmm. See how I'm fair? I don't know. This is why oh. it's good to have questions ahead of time. Look, he doesn't have to think I can about.
3: answer that for you. What challenges? <laughs> Go <ahead and> answer. <laughs>
2: what, what challenges do I face?
3: So, honestly, I think the, the forward movement of technology makes it harder oh. for you as a defense attorney to defend people who traditionally had come to you and said, this happened, and then you would take that with, with what evidence you had, mm-hmm. May, and maybe they got a, a knock-noggin because of it, so you would defend them based on what they tell you. Now, now everything's there in black and white, and I, and I personally am gonna say, for the short time that the technology was there when I was there, it proved our, our law enforcement was right the majority of the time, and the the accusations were wrong a majority of the time and i feel that that's probably harder for your your industry while sometimes it does seal some cases it's harder to defend um when you do get the videos and, and the videos are like uh no that's not what you said
2: i i hear that i think that's a great answer um i no longer in the earlier part of my practice i i represented a whole host of different types of criminal charges Now I focus my practice on DWI. So in my personal experience, I find that um, I don't have clients necessarily that have a narrative that they want me to push as a defense that would be contrary to video. Um, But I exactly see what you're saying if someone's like, hey, I wasn't even there, and then all of a sudden they're robbing a bank and there's surveillance video of it happening. So I I think 100%. What I was sighing about is the technology in the courts – very recently, as you know, um, and you know, uh, our, our legislature passed a bill that um, increased accessibility to the courts, because we have open courts, which is a great, I, I promote that, I think yeah. it's great, that in practice opened up our uh, electronic filing for mm-hmm. individuals. And so it does complicate a small attorney, a, a solo practitioner, um, at the advent of of electronic filing we now have three records for every one piece of paper we file and if the client has multiple cases that one piece of paper has to be filed across two three four cases so then times that by the three and now with the um, uh, open even for there's a term for it but more open courts uh, we have to ensure redaction. So now for every Mm -hmm. one file we're filing, we're filing three. So then all those three now has three records of it. And then you times that across three, four, five cases. So I think technology is meant to streamline and make individuals' jobs easier. But in the, you know, client aside, facts aside, representation aside, in the management of a case, it is getting much more difficult and and almost... um, preemptively so. It's it's just, it's just very difficult to keep up with all of that. Mm. Okay. Also, there I heard from a clerk, just as an off aside, maybe we shouldn't put this on yeah, the podcast because it, <laughs> <laughs> so it might give people ideas, but um, we're already, I mean, it went into effect. Have I, I don't know if I've talked to you about this. It went into effect July 1st, and we are already seeing reports of individuals in other countries downloading valid, active warrants yeah. from the courts, sticking a QR code on it and saying, hey, you have a $25,000 bond, send me $2,500 and this this warrant will go away. And it looks like it's a good warrant, because it is a good warrant, because there's a warrant out for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's opening up a host of, of issues that we're gonna have to be dealing with and it's it's yeah. very new and it's it's ongoing. New
0: challenges for sure, which I think we can overcome, right, in time. Oh yes, You can overcome
2: everything yeah. in time.
0: Yeah. All right, Rich, I'm going to go to you. What uh, challenges, I know you kind of answered for Denise's side, for cops though, <laughs> uh, what challenges
3: that you didn't face when you first started
0: that you see out there today?
3: Well, I'm going to say it's more of a challenge for the police administration. Um, it will actually alleviate some of the challenges for the individual officer. And I believe that as we move forward, with uh, law enforcement and, and the, um, the goals of law enforcement. And I'm gonna steal some uh, some information from a, a good buddy of mine, uh, uh, Sheriff Dave Marshak from um, Jefferson County. But uh, I was listening to him last week and I think it's going to be the compartmentalization of police departments. And I think it's gonna cause many police departments to maybe come together and, and make lar- a larger police department but have comp- compartments within those departments to deal with some of the issues. Like I said earlier, your typical municipal police officer will will go out and, and let's just use rape because mm-hmm. it's a horrible a horrible thing. A true rape is a very horrible thing mm-hmm. f- for the victim, especially for the victim. And if you're lucky enough to have um, either a female or a male officer, because males get raped too. So, sure. Yeah. Depending If you're lucky enough to have access to a female or a male officer that's trained how to properly mm-hmm. interview um, a victim, you're lucky. Yeah. But some of these municipalities, some of these police departments don't have access to that. Yeah. So therefore, that investigation has a, a I'm not going to say a tendency, but it has the, the availability to, to not go the best that it should mm-hmm. go. And if you're a true victim of a rape, that's unfair to you. So I think the compartmentalization of what police officers do, um, I'm I'm not a big fan of sending out um, what St. Louis City is doing, sending out their purple shirts to go deal with whatever. Mm -hmm. However, you know, what I said to the post-dispatch was, I said, look, let's not defund the police. Let's super fund the police. Let's go out and find that police officer who is trained in mental health. Make him a certified police officer and make sure you have those officers on a shift. Mm -hmm. where they can deal with it. They need to be a certified police officer, though, because what you have to deal with, you pretty much have to be trained. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to, I think as we move forward with law enforcement, I think you're going to see smaller departments come together in larger departments, and I think you're going to see more compartmentalized. um, And and that's going to be a huge challenge because the individual officer is going to be giving up some of what they do. Sure. But at the same time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to St. Louis City. I worked for, for St. Louis City for a while. My mom, I was a dispatcher down there. Mm-hmm. So St. Louis City used to have a homicide department. They used yeah. to have this department. They used to have this. So the original officer would respond on the scene, get it under control, and request a specialized unit. Okay. Yeah. okay? And I'm going to say 20, 25 years ago, while they still had a lot of crime, St. Louis City pretty much had their stuff together down there. Mm-hmm. You know, they were some of the best of the best. But in recent years, since they've dwindled in size, their 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 tax bases dwindled. They no longer have those units, and look what's happened to St. Louis City because they're asking those officers to do so much. Yeah. you can't. Okay. You just can't. So do. I think if we kind of, I think what we've done in the last couple of years with police departments, we've proven that's not working. We kind of yeah. need to go backwards a little bit. Yeah. Um, technology, you can't go backwards on. But let's let's compartmentalize. And create special units to deal with these special entities so that our victims are truly are, are truly yeah uh, I'm
0: gonna support what you just said when I was a city cop again young right so I think I only did have four uh, maybe a little over four years there uh, I remember responding to a uh, call of child pornography all right <clears throat> and it was actually what it ended up being was uh, the dad had record stepdad had recorded a child on his phone and New guy out of the academy, right, who my thing is arresting drunks. Right. Now I'm going, I've got a child pornography case. Uh, What? And I I tell you what, it was so odd for me at the time because I didn't know, or I didn't want to know. I'll put it that way. I had to watch to verify that that was indeed child pornography. Right. Right. So to ask a 22-year-old kid, I say kid, young man. Right. Right you have to watch this to verify this crime. That was just, I wasn't even going to do it. So here I am going, I don't want to watch this because it's a kid. I'm going to arrest this guy. And I didn't know, right? So thank goodness there was an old salty Six sergeant years. there yeah. that went, hey, partner, we've got we've to fire that up. So, yeah, I want to support what you just said. I think that um, guys and gals get really good at one or a few things. And if we could hone that in, and involve more people, and the people that are involved are really good at what they do, I think you would, honestly, make Denise's job a lot harder. I would agree with that. Can I ask this quick question,
2: though? Don't we have something similar kind of happening in St. Charles County? Don't we have a very good, and I should know more about it than than I do, but, again, I focus on DWI, and this doesn't really affect that, but we have a very good working relationship between all the municipalities, and I thought, don't we have, like, a task force that that is comprised of multiple officers from various agencies we do
3: okay so is that kind And, of and talking i'm about? just going to tell you saint charles county is working
2: mm-hmm. you it know is. We, we, we're
3: working mm-hmm. we should we should be um the state should be looking at how we do things here and i'm not saying we should take away munis- municipalities Mm-mm. because right. i do believe in people controlling how they want to be policed within yeah. their own community mm-hmm. absolutely okay mm-hmm. but they should have immediate access to and and St. Louis County's kinda of fallen by the wayside, St. Louis City's kinda of fallen by the wayside. So now we see the huge crime increase in, in, in on that side of the river because the administrations have failed to keep those services available. And and quite literally the, the, the prosecutors have failed to prosecute yeah. in those areas too. That's just a huge yes. Yeah. We all know that. Well, that's you, that's quite obvious. Yeah. yeah.
1: So in a hospital that is that's very much the structure in a hospital is you have even within the ER room, room you have nurses that are sane trained that are trained to deal with the sexual assault and you have like, trauma trained nurses that yeah. are deal to train orthopedic or like they're trained to deal with those specialties and yes they can handle the rash the burn the sore cough yeah. but their primary goal whenever you hit that you know a soul is to get that trained individual in there first thing yeah. so that they can take the case and work their discipline.
0: So, it, correct me if I'm wrong, so essentially it'd be like the officer, you know, handling simple stuff. So, let's say simple assault, stealing at Walmart, whatever.
3: A report taker, you yeah. know, a triage maker, yep. uh, you know, something like that. But then maybe
0: they, they have a expertise in sexual assaults and then you would call
3: that guy to go, is that kind of what we're, well, or, Yeah, I would actually like to see... Um, or a base of report takers and then a... Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, you know, go back, you know, really, policing used to work, it really did. Mm-hmm. Um, You had a group of guys that were out there taking the calls. You know, disturbances, okay, you can handle a disturbance. Most guys got really good at that um, and things like that. And then, um, you know, I explained to you something that I did very early on in my career was to take a, a rape case report that was really way, way above my level of handling. I was lucky enough to have done a pretty good job because I really felt really bad for this young lady. But... There should have been more help there for me. The sure. prosecutor, I should have had a prosecutor at the time that I could have called up or sex crimes in St. Louis County. Um, I should have had a direct access to that. They, I mean, I'm not talking two days later. Mm-hmm. I'm talking immediate okay. right now. support right, system. Exactly. Because that's how, things, that's how crimes get solved. I was on Major Case. Okay. So Major Case, you know what they do? They put together the best of the best. They get on it. Yep. The first 48 hours, they try to... Find as much as they can, they bring in the specialists, they, they beat the streets, they beat the grounds until all means are exhausted. Costs it costs money. Sure. Okay, I get that. But we only do serious rapes and homicide. And and that's what we need to do. We need to start building our coalitions of law enforcement community where we can rely on each other. And it doesn't have to be one department or two departments, but we all need to start working together. Are you mm-hmm. thinking like the county? I think the county should be in, should be tasked with that. Okay. St. Louis City is its own county. Yeah, it's a whole. But, it, thing. but the county should be tasked with that, and the municipalities should either have to pay or you know through taxation or whatever. That's a whole other issue. um right. But uh, if those, if we want police to be better at what they're doing, then we're going to have to figure out a better way of doing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think we would agree.
0: Right now. Isn't really working. At no, all, no, it's not right. Not. And there's got to be a change at some point, and we've got to start looking beyond it. You know what? Maybe I come up with an idea and it, it fails. Well, let's at least try something, right? Because we know if we continue with the status quo, we're going to get what we what we have. Right. And yeah, I, I like the new. I say fresh ideas. That's I like that. and I think Kansas City does something very similar. KCPD. Because those guys blow my mind. I I get to know their DWI guys very well. They're like, oh, we worked a fatality crash last night. I'm like, you worked it? Well, no, our homicide investigator came out and I'm like, what? Like, oh, yeah, we took the drunk. I'm like, okay, what'd you do with the car? Well, actually, a whole other person came out and towed the car. I'm like, you have four or five guys involved with one
3: crime. Whereas if it's me, I'm working the whole thing. And that's a lot of work. I mean, it really is. There's a lot of paperwork that's involved with, um, you know, I worked a, a serious DWI once and. So many things got unattended to. Yeah, just because of the the, the mere fact of the paperwork and sure. and, the, and the, you know going to the hospital and coming back. Right. I mean, you can only stay up for forty eight hours before you collapse. You're done, you know? right? And then the evidence gone. Yep. It's gone if you don't, uh, you know. So we we need to be doing a better job of working together, um, and and not thinking that they're taking something away from us. Right. You know, cops are very protective oh, about yes. their territory. Yes, but we need to we need to do a better job. Uh, you talk about training all the time. Well, you can train and train and train and train, but if you don't put that training into to use, use yeah. and good action, then we're failing.
0: Yeah. And Denise, you may have kind of some input on this too. You know, again, I'll use myself. If, let's say, a fatality crash happens when I'm here, I'm working the crash, I'm gathering evidence, and let's say they're intoxicated, I'm doing field sobriety, they refuse, I'm getting a search warrant, I'm going to the hospital. And, you know, we've talked about some stuff offline about, you know, we may be six, eight hours into one single incident when I've already been on for eight hours. (laughs) So have you seen any sort of, you know, not to be specific, but have you seen any sort of like shortcomings where maybe fatigue and uh, being on duty for a long time has kind of maybe in your opinion have kind of played a part in that?
2: Um, I think that... The answer is yes. I think officers, we've been saying this ad nauseum today, and I said it before. When officers make mistakes, it's not because they're bad guys that are out trying to trying to get my client, but oftentimes it's they're just not thinking, Or and it probably is from fatigue, because I don't get those numbers. When a case comes to me, I don't see when the officer started this shift mm-hmm. and ended this shift. Um, there was one case that I won on probable cause, past results, can't guarantee future results. Each case is different and must be judged on its own merits. I, I have to say that stuff. per the Missouri yeah. Bar. Yeah. Hey, delete that out, <laughs> well, delete that out like I no, didn't say it. I, I have to say that that's a disclaimer <laughs> required by the Missouri Bar when I talk about results, but um, it was a it was a trooper case, and um, I won the motion to suppress on a bad arrest, um, and I also won the uh, license case on no probable cause to arrest, and that particular individual was a good guy. He was a great witness, he was I, nice, I liked him, but when you watched the video, you saw that he was in he was in um, robot mode. He wasn't really listening, he wasn't really paying attention. And it never, quite frankly even crossed my mind that it would have been due to fatigue or to look at when right. his shift was. Um, but his report didn't reflect what was actually happening that we could see in the video. And I think part of that was just because he was in robot mode and, and wasn't really even making eye contact with my client during certain testing portions, et cetera. And that's when you make the mistakes, and that's when you can make a bad arrest.
0: So would it be one of those where, like, maybe you interpret that as dishonesty initially, no. right? I mean, initially, you're going, oh, this guy's lie. He didn't match up. When it could be fatigue and stuff like that, or have you, have you seen that, I guess?
2: Yes, I think that is a different question and a bigger question. I would say, again, 99.9% of my officers, I don't think that they are dishonest. I think dishonesty has a different a different connotation than they're just making mistakes or something might not be truthful. And is it purposefully not truthful because you're dishonest or was it not reported correctly or are you not remembering your training or did you not review it properly before coming to testify? Mm-hmm. So you and I have talked offline and we will keep the specifics of it offline. There have only ever been two office three three officers that i've encountered in my entire career where i thought that they were being purposely dishonest on the stand
0: and you dealt Uh, with how many officers you think oh
2: hundreds okay yeah so i i wouldn't call them dishonest i think that the fatigue the the work you just get into robot mode sometimes Mm -hmm. and you miss things okay and that's part of my job is to make sure to come through and say did you miss anything here
0: all right i respect that all right Rich, what's your timeline? What time you got to be out? I'm good. All right. Because I've got a whole slew of questions. Yeah, <laughs> Don't right. say so you're good. We're going <laughs> yeah. to be here to Are you doing all the questions? I don't think I'm going to do all of them. <laughs> okay, okay. <So>, uh, <laughs>
2: what's your timeline like I to me? Yeah. Sunny's <laughs> like, uh... We so, have
0: to. Hey, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, she's driving me home, so she's not. <laughs> I,
2: there's a spare bedroom. you yeah. all want to be safe.
0: So oh. to, to kind of set the groundwork here, there were questions submitted and, um, to Denise or I guess on your platform mm-hmm. to, I guess, both of us. And then from my platform to Denise. I, I, honestly, you were kind of a late addition. I didn't really know. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you from the cop side as well. So I think it's going to be a, uh, a three-person answer here.
2: Three-ring circus? Got it. Yeah, yeah. three-ring circus. <laughs> yeah. so I'll, I'll Denise with you gets two cops. Yeah.
0: So Smee <laughs> me on the way, I guess it was this morning, or maybe last night, she's like, uh, this whole thing sounds like a joke. Yeah. I'm like, what? She I goes, did. yeah, a defense attorney, a state rep, and a cop walk into a bar. Like, Actually, that yeah, that yeah. does sound like a joke. Yeah. I, was like, I feel like yeah. I'm setting this up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, We could call
2: my office a bar. That's basically what it is. Let's get serious.
0: When well, she said that, I'm like, well, it doesn't seem normal. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Ryan Hutton here. Thank you for listening to part one of a defense attorney, a state rep, and a cop walks into a bar. Next week, we'll be dropping part two, and we'll be answering questions that you all submitted. Our friend, Defense Attorney Denise Childress will be answering those questions, and we'll get the perspective of State Representative Richard West. Thanks again, and
2: peace!